Elementary music teacher friend, you love what you do, but you might feel unappreciated and, in fact, unseen some days. You may even feel like you're on a music teacher island and just want to connect with other music teachers who can relate to both your struggles and wins when it comes to teaching elementary music. I get you and understand completely the feelings you're having. That's why each and every week, the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast will provide you with solo and guest episodes that will help you realize you're not alone in your music teaching journey. Throughout each episode, my goal is for you to be able to walk away with actionable steps and ideas to help you feel like you're ready to take on the new week with whatever challenges may be thrown your way. Hi, I'm your host, Jessica Peresta, and I'm so glad you're here. Whether you're at home, in your car, in the shower, or wherever else you're listening, grab your cup of coffee or whatever other beverage is nearby and listen in to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I'm Andrew Murata, host of the Education Leadership and Beyond podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you are listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. If you're wanting to successfully plan relevant lessons for any student or grade level, are ready to confidently design a curriculum that works for you and your students, or are overwhelmed when it comes to planning lessons and designing curriculum, then I would love for you to join me in the Curriculum Design Roadmap course. In this course, you will go from feeling overwhelmed with planning lessons each week to feeling excited to show up to work each day and experience a new joy and passion for teaching elementary music because you've designed a classroom that you love. Think about how it would feel to go from feeling frustrated to successful when you sit down to plan lessons each week. Imagine how you'll grow as a teacher because you're teaching with confidence. And think about what will happen when you realize you are an expert to design your own curriculum. In just five weeks, you'll go from not having a curriculum in place to designing one that you love and that you will begin to use year after year. So if you're ready to join me in the Curriculum Design Roadmap course, simply head to jessicaparesta.teachable.com forward slash P forward slash Curriculum Design Roadmap. And I cannot wait to see you inside. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to be joined today by Patrick Cooper, and we're going to be talking about bringing hip hop into the music room. This is actually something I've gotten the privilege of hearing him talk about before, and so I am super excited to touch on this topic and to hear his wisdom. And before we get started, Patrick, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Sure. Thank you, Jessica, and everybody for having me on here. Uh, My name is Patrick Cooper. I'm currently an assistant professor of music education at Florida International University. Um, I've been a string bassist, beat maker, et cetera, et cetera. I publish research and, um, excuse me, I've had the pleasure of working with Jessica uh, through F-flat books and Learn Platform, and uh, I'm happy to be here today on the podcast to uh, continue the conversations. Yes. So, This is something that's fascinating to me because, you know, it's when you probably say the word hip hop to some music teachers, they're looking at you like, what? You want me to do what with my students? (laughs) So I just think this is so fun. I love talking about ways to bring music to students and maybe it's thought of as more of a non-traditional way of teaching music. But I think it's so important and relevant for the students we teach in this day and age to have 
different options and different ways of bringing relevant music to them. So this is why I'm just so excited about this. Well, that and a lot more <laughs> other areas. But let's just talk about, first of all, what are ways you've brought hip hop into the music room? Maybe there's certain lessons or units that you've taught your students or even now working with college students. How do you encourage them to bring hip hop to their students? Yeah, thanks. This is very relevant. Um, I'm going to start by saying, uh, as part of my job, I teach the Intro to Music Education course. It's like the foundations, uh, philosophy, you getting your feet wet, uh, learning to write lesson plans and deliver instruction uh, with good sequencing, etc. Part of that class is also doing observations in the field. And so being where I am in Miami, we go to Miami-Dade County Schools. And we just did our first observation last Friday. And what was so amazing about it is it is a school that's transitioning into a technology and arts magnet. And so what we saw was lots of elements of what you might consider a music education that incorporates hip hop or technology. The main focus was to learn about a 3-2 clave pattern. And the teacher was going to do this through iconic notation. But the iconic notation was done on a DAW, a digital audio workstation. So they were using a 16-step sequencer to uh, learn how to apply the 3-2 pattern that they had learned how to do with rhythm sticks into the computer. And this is the beginning of production. And this is exactly how I encourage people to get started with hip hop music education. Because a lot of people might hear the most popular songs on the radio and they might get a little scared about the content they're gonna bring into the classroom. And so what I would always recommend as the place to start is focusing on beat making and focusing on lyric writing. So for example, what we saw in this classroom last Friday is students were learning foundational music techniques. They're learning about steady beat. They're learning about performing together, but they were then applying that to a production setting where they were able to take the foundation of, can you recreate the three, two clave pattern? And then after that, of course, you can start adding your own personal creativity, your own spin to it. So my number one thing that I would say is rather than trying to focus on songs to copy, because as a band teacher, as a choir teacher, as a general music teacher, the literature that we bring to our students is often a starting point for engaging them. And rather than necessarily say, because this is the music that students listen to outside of class a lot. Yes. We don't really need to put the song on and have them listen to it. They already know the music. But for example, if you can say, okay, well, we're gonna take a dubstep beat and we're gonna do what's called a type beat. We're gonna learn how to create this dubstep beat in our DAWs and then through there we can learn about form and timbre and pitch and BPMs and tempo and all sorts of different things. So that's where I always really uh, talk about is rather than trying to bring exemplar songs into the classroom, focus on the process of creating. And I think the easiest way to get students creating is through beat making using type beats and loops in the digital audio workstation and then into um, some songwriting exercises. Awesome. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit in my story. Uh, I've shared on this podcast so many times, but I did not have any access to technology like there is today, but a teacher that is maybe pushing back on saying that, well, I don't have technology. Or I don't have access to these things you're mentioning. I still had my students write beats and write their own lyrics and make their own raps without even technology access. Then once, of course, I started getting things, yes, then we started using the tech, but 
I don't want a teacher listening to say, well, I don't have all the fanciest equipment or whatever it might be, because what you're mentioning and even the observation you went to or that you got to do, um, the fact that that teacher may be built up to that. They maybe didn't start with all of the things right away. You know, they probably started from, okay, I'm going to start this year with just this aspect and the next year I'm going to layer on this. And then eventually now they're where they're at. Would you kind of agree with that to just kind of figure out a place to start and don't let the fear of, I don't have whatever it is, hold you back. I think it's, it's very similar to how I started myself um, when I ran a music school, middle school music technology program. Um, we didn't have anything and I've mm. pretty much always worked in zero budget schools. Um, now, what I learned was they did have a set of laptops in the library that nobody used during fourth period. <laughs> so we were able to use free music making software like GarageBand um, or for example, soundtrap.com if you mm. make personal accounts or BandLab is another free resource that works out really well. Um, I would say that the finance side, <laughs> it's always something that we can easily focus on, but I think it's also a little bit of a value question. Mm -hmm. So for example, uh, I'm a string bass player by trade. I played with the FIE Symphony last week. Um, we played Tchaikovsky's Fifth. We played Finlandia. Um, you know, I have my chops as a classical string bassist, but I know that that's not what's going to engage my entire school and my entire classroom. Well, let me put it this way. The amount of money it would take to restring my base, I could outfit like three computers with the technology needed to make uh, really good sounding music. Um, if your school has a computer lab and internet access, which I assume it has to, because that's yeah. how testing gets done, find ways to try and reserve space in there. Uh, one thing I would kind of reiterate too, is I, I built this up. I didn't always do this type of thing with students. You know, it became, it started out as small projects. So the very first music technology and production project I did was with orchestra students. And it was that three weeks after their winter concert. And we had a, a pretty older Mac lab. It was aging, but our computer lab was Mac based. So I taught them how to make garage band projects. And uh, I, that's what I would always say is the amount of money that it costs to buy a timpani or get reeds for an instrument or replace the trumpet section's mouthpieces mm -hmm. um, or et cetera, et cetera, buy a djembe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, music technology truly is not that expensive um, when you can use existing resources, especially. Great advice. Thank you so much for touching on that. My next question is, this podcast is obviously called the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. So <laughs> that is my main audience, although I do have secondary music teachers listening as well. But what are practical ways that teachers of even the littlest of students can bring hip hop into their classrooms? That's a really great question. So I have been a K-8 general music teacher. So I was teaching kindergarten as well. I absolutely love those kids. Um, for me, it has to do about what I mentioned before um, with like this idea of iconic notation. So we teach our elementary students to compose with standard notation and iconic notation. Well, most uh, what's called a digital audio workstation, a DAW, like I mentioned, BandLab and Soundtrap, for example, they have what's called a 16-step sequencer. So there's 16 little squares that students can push on to activate the sound. Um, so you think about there are four, uh, what end up being 16th notes in the quarter note. So there's 16 steps, that's four beats, 16 16th notes, for example. Um, everything I've said right now is foundational general music terminology. Okay. <laughs> but it's just being taught through a, uh, a DAW, for example. Mm -hmm. um, 
One thing that I also really love doing with them is the idea of like speech piece and chant piece. Like a hip hop cipher is essentially a jam where everybody gets together and you might have students alternate taking turns on verses like you would have them um, maybe improvise over a beat on a xylophone um, or even with their own voice. Uh, these are all things that can be done um, with your technology as well. So maybe, for example, the teacher plays a beat for the class and then teaches everybody a chorus. And so everybody would then uh, say the chorus together. And then you could have students listen and have a time to where maybe it's kind of like a Mad Libs thing where mm -hmm. it's my name is blank. This is my blank. I am from blank. This is my blank. And you can have students kind of just substitute words here and there. And now what you've had, you've had students create to a beat. It's had to fit within a certain um, meter and everybody can participate because everybody's going to always sing the chorus. Maybe you can integrate body percussion as well. And then the uh, individual student who feels brave, maybe they didn't feel very comfortable singing, but they're a lot more comfortable rapping. Now that student that maybe you didn't hear from all the time, maybe they're going to then, you know, take the mic as we would say, and uh, start spitting some verses in between the choruses. That's something that I've always thought works well. While you were talking, I'm thinking about how a lot of elementary music teachers I talked to are already doing this. They probably just didn't know it was labeled as hip hop because as you know, hip hop, we just think of what, like you already mentioned, comes across on the radio. Well, you're how like we're doing steady beat every day in our classrooms you're already keeping the beat with mm -hmm. your students and especially when you were saying insert your name or insert whatever in the blank especially towards the beginning of the school year we're doing a bunch of name games that are kept to the steady beat and a lot of them are set to a rhythm and i love just add a backing track to that and have the students say it to the beat of the music that you're already doing the foundational pieces and a lot of teachers listening are already doing that. You probably didn't realize, oh, I am doing that. So therefore I'm incorporating this. So that was great, great suggestions. Um, I and think I know what you're saying is, yeah. uh, is, is actually a really important part of identifying, you know, hip hop culture, um, maybe not from a uh, commercial standpoint, but from where the culture really uh, had its genesis uh, in the Bronx, early 70s. Some people might say late 60s, but definitely by the early 70s, 1973, uh, people were uh, identifying hip hop and what that means um, from a musical perspective too, not just um, graph, graffiti, dancing, things like this. One of the main core tenets of hip hop is building something out of nothing. Mm. So when you talk about uh, what does my budget look like, what types of tools and I resources, um, a big part of hip hop is repurposing things that you already have access to. Uh, the first turntable was not a pre-built uh, thing. It wasn't two turntables hooked together with a mixer. That was somebody who took apart a mixer and took apart turntables and hacked the wiring and, you know, put it together with tinfoil and bubblegum, and they made something that didn't exist before. You know, the early hip hop jams in the parks were people hooking up these record players to their car stereos. You know, you didn't have turntables in your stereo in your car, but these people were learning how to um, build electronics literally by just taking them apart, looking inside them, experimenting, testing things, and and putting it back together. So building stuff out of nothing, uh, repurposing things, and um, experimenting, being creative, these are all tenets of hip hop that teachers are doing every day, probably don't super really realize it. And another thing that we don't really realize necessarily because of uh, commercial contemporary hip hop especially, is hip hop is a group act. Mm. Say it's a group discipline. Uh, it is inherently social. 
It is inherently a social way of making music, just like we always already do with our general music students. Um, if there, there is no reason to uh, make something that nobody really ever hears, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah. So the idea of um, it's it goes back to participatory music making, you know, participatory music making, there's a spot for everybody. There is also room for then various levels of expertise uh, within a hip hop music education, general music classroom. You're going to have students who specialize a little bit more. You have students who are going to um, be willing to share inherently a little bit quicker, a little bit faster. But there's always going to be something for somebody to do, mm. whether it's um, assist the beat, whether it's support the chorus, whether it's yelling ad libs in the background, um, and then hopefully that develops then to into um, individual creativity and expressivity. Yeah. When you said you've taught K through eight, it made me think of, I've changed my teaching philosophy a lot because of the fact that everyone doesn't enjoy singing. I'm just being honest. <laughs> Everybody, some kids love playing instruments. Some love to do movement activities. Some want to compose. Some want to, some are going to grow up to be a producer. You just don't know who's in your classroom. And so I really strongly believe in facilitating learning and kind of giving different opportunities for kids to learn, even as young as kindergarten, where there are so many different opportunities they can create music because you don't know that certain activity or lesson that you bring to your students that may be the one that sparks interest for someone. And if you never bring it in, I, I just think you're missing an opportunity. And so you were saying something about, well, what I just touched on, but <laughs> most elementary students in the music classroom get participation points. You know, you're just kind of observing and a lot of informal observations going on in, the, in assessments. And so some kids that get pushed back or gift pushed back to you and you're just seeing them as they're just not wanting to participate or they just come in here and sit there. Well, maybe it's just a matter of finding that thing that sparks that kid's interest and exactly what you're talking about today. You, you may spark their interest with this, this topic that we're talking about today. So that just is something that was going through my mind as you were talking is I think there is pushback from teachers of there. There's so many amazing teaching philosophies and methods out there. Of course there are. And I always encourage teachers to be yourself in your classroom. I think it's so important, but I also think it's very important to also not be stuck in your ways and it's okay to change the way you've always done things. And maybe even if it's uncomfortable for you at first, but it's okay to do something new. So I just, as you were talking, I was thinking about all that. So. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Well, it's it's um it's an uncomfortable position to be in if you're not somebody who typically gives up the reins. Um, or, you know, maybe you're a performance-oriented school. Uh, when I was in the elementary general music classroom, I mean, we had second grade performance, third grade performance, fourth grade performance, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, and that and that takes a lot of time and a lot of students value it too. Like it is a a, a very fun, fun thing for a lot of students. Um, I think it's also very um energy consuming for the teacher. So orienting things a little bit more learner-centered or project-based also uh, could be kind of a thing to think about. I mean, what's scary about it is you don't really always know what the end product will be. You don't always know how grand will the song be? Will the lyrics fit? Will the beat be on time? Um, will they remember to save yeah. it? <laughs> um, all oh, these, gosh, you know, yes. for example. Um, but what I really find is amazing doing these types of projects where students are um, creating beats, where they are making up their own words and their own um, choruses to things, is you learn so much more about your student. Mm -hmm. um, you get to hear their voice 
rather than having them repeat the words of somebody else. So when I said at the very beginning of the podcast, uh, I focus on the process of hip hop music education. And what hip hop musicians do is they make beats, they record themselves, they write bars, they record themselves and they perform for others. Those are all things that we already do in a general music classroom. We create sampling is arranging, like sampling sound is very much a form of arranging music as well. Uh, these are all creative processes that we wanna teach students to engage with. And the end result, whether you don't know how it's going to exactly sound, you do know you're going to hear a part of the student, which I think is so important. You're not hearing them always recreate something that somebody else has created. They are learning to create themselves and you hear their own voices. You know, they, they joke yeah. that or orchestras are 18th century cover bands. Oh, you know? <laughs> so uh, I guess that's kind of an interesting thing to be thinking about for the music teachers who are listening to this podcast. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that you are having your students act as cover artists or are they learning to remix the sounds that they're engaging with on a daily basis? Are they learning to engage with the technology that they have access to at home? I can't imagine there are very many people listening whose students don't have smartphones or a yeah. tablet or something like that at home. I when, you know, there used to be the family piano at home. Well, now there's the family iPad. So we should be teaching yes. them how to use the family iPad, just like we used to teach them how to use the family piano. That's kind of a philosophy that I've had uh, shifted since I've been a teacher. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, <laughs> we've both have talked about our philosophies of teaching and it's so funny because you're working with college students right now. And I had this conversation. I <laughs> was at the Arkansas Music Ed Association conference this weekend and I was talking to a professor of music education at one of the local colleges. And I asked her that I said, while you're working with music you know, feature music educators right now, I said, what do you notice is like the biggest shift for you when it comes to teaching them, even like the foundations of methods courses and things like that. And she said, she that's what she said, is just challenging them to go, it's okay to be yourself, but also it's okay that your philosophies of education may change over the years. And she said the pushback, of, you know, they're like, as they're working on these papers that were what, five to 10 pages long, they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> and so that's probably so hard to explain to someone who's not even in the classroom yet of, when you get in there, you're going to see, oh, wait, I don't want to do that, or I'm going to change it, or, oh, wait, my philosophy changed because now I see actual students in front of me. So is that a little bit tough to kind of explain to them as they're not really in their own classrooms yet? I would say that that has changed this semester specifically with this group of students I've worked with. They are all students that in high school went to online learning for COVID. And they engaged with technology in a more meaningful and purposeful way than I think they ever have before via music. And I definitely see the transfer of that. Um, when I say things like, hey, we're gonna work in BandLab and GarageBand and Soundtrap this week, they are all familiar with those programs now. This is the first oh, yeah. group of freshmen that I've had that all have experience using these technologies. Oh, that's and cool. maybe it was simply just to um, record themselves playing their instrument and arrange it into a full piece later. But I see a lot more, um, you know, it's kind of funny, like when I was going to my undergrad, they would say, you know, you kids are, you kids are so technologically savvy. And then after <laughs> yeah, that, it turned right. into, yeah, but have you seen a kid try and type on the, on a keyboard, like try and type a paper on a keyboard? It's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, but now I'm seeing it again, where these students, they had um, some real life necessity reasons to uh, 
try these things out hmm. and it has become a part of their music lives. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, they're the, they're the future music educators <laughs> we need for sure. Cause they're just going to be like, Oh, I got this. Yeah. It's awesome. So we've talked about so much about hip hop and music education. And I know this conversation could go on forever. And there's probably a lot of questions I didn't get a chance to <laughs> ask you, but what have we maybe not touched upon that you really want the teachers listening in to know? Um, you know, I would say the number one thing is, uh, it, there, gosh, there's too many things. There's way too many <laughs> things to just jump into one and like, here's my cherry on top. Um, I would say that the knowledge contained in hip hop is something that you can't ignore, but you also won't find it unless you seek it out. Mm. Um, the reason that I love hip hop is because it contains knowledge about what's going on in our country, socially, historically, and from multiple perspectives. There are so there's so much philosophy. For example, when you're talking about the philosophy of music educators, mm -hmm. what really stuck out to me is one line that I think about a lot is from an MF Doom song. Uh, anything that's finished is a finished product. Anything that's finished is done. So if you have finished your music education philosophy and it's not going to be changing, then you're done. Anything in the past is finished. And if you want to be continuing moving forward, that's going to involve change. And <laughs> you're just going to have to deal with it. You're just going to have to accept that. Um, if you feel like you're done as a teacher, philo philosophically speaking, um, if you're finished, you learned all you need to know, um, then, then you're done. You're past. You're the history. You know, mm. and, and that's not where I want to be. Um, I want to be always thinking about the future because I'll be living in the future. Yeah. That's good. Oh my gosh. I've never heard it like said like that before. That's so good. Yeah. And it's well, you funny. Can thank hip hop. You can thank MF Doom for that. Yes, absolutely. And there, you're right. There's just so much to unpack here that, um, in, in fact, I know teachers will have questions. So where can they connect with you after they listen to this episode? Yeah, they can hit me up on my uh, university email, pcooper, P-C-O-O-P-E-R, at F-I-U.edu. Um, I'm very engaged. I'm one of those people that when you talk to me, I do talk back. Mm -hmm. um, I'm happy to lead workshops, answer questions, or anything else like that. I also have a couple um, hip-hop-based workshops on the Learn platform with F Flat Books um, with my uh, buddy So Soon, um, who is a hip-hop artist out of the, uh, Queens in New York City. And there's a lot of great resources on there. So whether it's that or I have a book on fflatbooks.com as well about broadcast and podcast radio, ironically enough, if you're listening to this, uh, maybe you want to do some broadcast radio or podcast uh, projects with your students. It's got um, over 30, I shouldn't say over, has exactly 30 lesson plans, um, at least a semester's worth of curriculum, if not more uh, broadcast to podcast lessons. Um, from radio for an online music education. And then again, P Cooper, P-C-O-O-P-E-R-F-I-U.edu. I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I've loved this conversation and I can't wait for everybody to hear this, this important topic of conversation. Great. Thank you so much for having me. The, the hip hop education sphere thanks you. Well, hey there, thank you so much for listening into the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. There is an exclusive Facebook group just for listeners of this podcast and any elementary music teacher. 
called the Elementary Music Teacher Community Facebook group. Come on over and join us there where we have conversations around the podcast episodes and encourage each other each and every week. And also head to my website, thedomesticmusician.com. I have some free resources there that you can download to help you gain traction in your classroom today, as well as the blog and the membership site and all kinds of other goodies to help you keep going in your music teaching journey. I cannot wait to keep connecting with you and encouraging you and spurring you on in your journey of teaching elementary music. Hang in there, have an amazing week, and I will see you soon.